Welcome to the Addiction Connection. We like to believe the opposite of addiction is actually connection, and we are going to attempt to educate you and possibly even entertain you while we navigate all topics addiction. Hi, I'm Dr. Kirk Devine. And I'm Dr. Heather Bell, and we both provide primary care and addiction services. It's our goal to help you learn more about the disease of addiction and its treatments. Welcome back to okay. sugar. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to just admit this. I've had just about enough sugar. <laughs> not, not, that's not even possible. They're clearly downloading a lot. So people really like this, but I'm not in that group. Whatever. Although I got to be on. Actually, I, I listened to our last one. The sugar one? No. The last one we just did last week. Oh, but that wasn't sugar. Just to listen to see who is funnier. <laughs> it's totally me. Even my, when my preteen boys say I am funny, I, I was like, win. That's a win. I was like, man, her timing is poor. <laughs> Whatever. Okay, so this was supposed to be the last one. We'll see if this is the last sugar one because there's a chunk we forgot to put in the last sugar one because... Let's just do it. Kurt was rambling. I don't Let's know. do it quickly. It's so good, though. Like, like a bunny. Do it quickly here. I know, but I think we should do two. We should do one really boring, like DSM-5 one. Okay. Anyway, we'll just start. Okay. okay. So it's what? Episode? 104. 122. <laughs> 122? <laughs> Whatever. I was close. <laughs> Not so much. Okay. So we keep calling this sugar addiction. Excuse me. But keep can it? Be addictive. Can it really can it be an addiction? And you like to make fun of this because you think, as you just did, we're on like what the fourth or fifth or millionth or second installment of sugar addiction. I mean, I think it's easy to binge on sugar because like if you give me a box of Swiss rolls and say eat one a day, I eat like eight the first day. Eight packages and they have two in each. So binging seems it could be a sugar binging disorder. So, but it is it really an addiction now? Technically, we all know it's technically not an addiction. Although I think I should go to the next DSM criteria, like when they co-create the new DSM six manual. I should be there, yeah, and put more things besides just gambling on that other side. But you'd be one of the subjects, maybe. Go ahead. So we're gonna look at actually what makes something an addiction and see if sugar does meet the criteria. So oh, I just can't wait. So the definition of addiction, a complex condition, a brain disease that is manifested by compulsive substance use despite harmful consequences. Mm -hmm. So to revisit the DSM-5, which I just alluded to, and for all of y'all in residency or in med school, and you're like, oh, the DSM-5, it's actually not so bad in real life, mm. right? I don't think it's so bad. Okay, whatever. Anyway, it's not as psychiatry-ish as... An, anxiety provoking as everyone thinks but anyway there's 11 criteria and you can put it in especially you can put the 11 criteria into four general groups which we'll talk about in a second and you need at least two of them two of the groups to satisfy an addiction or a substance mm. use disorder now for our friend uh, our new friend at the new podcast thing this could almost be board review for uh, addiction stuff you know yes Patrick, gosh, Our, you can never remember names. Patrick, this is why y'all need me. Um, Patrick, you guys were transitioning this podcast. We'll have to see if we've transitioned by the time this podcast goes live. But yeah, only transitioning the podcast. Only the podcast. 
to really try to reach more people and more learners and to try to like help people study for boards, which we have been doing through the Addiction Society, the, you know, the Addiction Med Moms group on Facebook. But yeah. anyway, but so anyway. let's break it down now. So we have the four big groups. Breakdance. So overall, let's define the groups. Okay. Group number one is impaired control. So the definition, not referring to sugar, just in general, if we're breaking down the DSM-5 criteria into four categories, impaired control is defined as using or consuming larger amounts for a longer time than intended, (laughs) cravings, much time spent, quote unquote, using, and repeated attempts to quit and or control the use. So that's all under the category of impaired control. You know... I mean, I think after a box of, you know, eating a box of Swiss rolls and you see the little pieces of chocolate all over my shirt as I'm laying on a couch, yeah. I'd probably have an impaired control problem. Okay, go on. Okay. Social or like impairment. licking the bowl. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was like my mom's, like, you knew my mom was having dessert when that bowl, you could put the bowl back in the cupboard. You didn't know anything had been eaten out of it. That's how clean it was. <laughs> Okay, so broad category number two, social impairment. Mm -hmm. So social interpersonal problems related to the use, neglect major life roles to use, and activities are given up to use. Mm. So basically everything you did socially is gone except for what is there to surround your use of your substance. I'm not going to go running with my running group. I'm going to eat these Swiss rolls. I don't know. I was kind of, while I was reading these, I was thinking about the time that you and I were giving a talk on, in, I think it was in Arizona or New Mexico or something, and there was no Diet Mountain, Diet Dew. Mountain Dew. And I we remember. went to like three different locations and they didn't have it. And then we had to like run to get to actually present. And so poor Katie, our wizard coordinator, had to go across town to get you a Diet Mountain Dew. And she actually presented it to the stage. While we were talking. It's like, that's what makes my brain work. Anyway, social impairment. Kurt's social life. Okay. Number three category, broad category, continued use despite risk. So Mm. you were using in hazardous situations, Mm. physical health related to complications related to use. So you're having some type of health complications in relation to using. Um, And then psychological problems related to use. Mm. So Interesting. Yeah, there's risk involved in your life now. It's hard to see that you could have that with sugar. It'd be like someone running across the street to get their diamond doing getting run over by a semi. Uh, and then you're Dude. in the hospital covered in casts and still wanting a diamond do. Remember, diamond do does not have sugar. Okay, you're. We also have a photo of you. It's actually standing on the wall right behind you, surrounded by diamond do things. Of you holding a diamond do with the biggest caramel roll you've ever seen. So, okay. Anyway, number four, pharmacological criteria. And this was actually the newer criteria added to the DSM-5 compared to the DSM-4. Tolerance and withdrawal. Okay. We have four broad categories. Okay. So can it be addictive? Can sugar? Try and convince me. So if we're looking at rodent studies. (laughs) Well, (laughs) some of my best friends are rodents. Go ahead. Sorry, Chrissy just said that about you. Okay, so they restricted access for rodents to either 10% sugar or a 25% glucose solution, okay? Mm. So four hours into their cycle. So, like, basically they made the rats skip breakfast for 21 days. Ooh. Okay, so they're really hungry. 
So that's kind of where the study started. So let's look at criteria number one, the impaired control, and not yeah, the grouping of criteria number one. So you're using larger amounts than intended. Okay, so we're going to go back to that part. All right. So these rats that were like... Didn't get to get breakfast. They were they were forced to skip breakfast. It's the most important meal. Mm-hmm. It's called coffee. They they escalated their sugar intake progressively by day eleven of twenty one. So by after day eleven, though, they can maintain the same amount of sugar. So if they were forced to skip breakfast, they actually increased the amount of sugar they were consuming throughout the rest of the day. Makes sense. Kind of like compensate. But the total daily consumption of sugar was higher than had it been had they eaten breakfast. That's why they say breakfast is an important meal. It keeps right. you regulated. But here's what's interesting. So pre-restriction, so when they were eating normal rat life. Rat breakfast. Rat breakfast. <laughs> whatever that is. When they were not restricted and they could eat breakfast when they wanted, they were consuming a total of 37 milliliters of this glucose solution, whatever. Mm. When they were restricted that four hours and weren't allowed to have breakfast, they were then consuming 112 milliliters. Wow. They almost tripled the amount of the sugar solution. Mm, Impaired control, maybe? So the control animals, the ones who were not restricted, drank the same amount through the whole experiment. Huh. Right? The experiment animals. So if you look at... Like just how that broke up, we're going to break it down a little bit easier. So that first hour of the day, the control animals consumed six milliliters of the fluid the whole time throughout. Okay. The experiment animals, so the ones that were restricted. And didn't get breakfast. Didn't get breakfast. That first hour when they could finally eat something consumed 12 milliliters. So this was what they are calling the binging. Uh, So the impaired control. It's like they ate two or three packages of Swiss rolls right there. Right. So Mm. how this looks at compares to addiction now. So this is what we are calling the quote unquote binge. I think it should be mentioned that we're not getting paid by the Swiss roll people. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Or the Diet Mountain Dew people or anything else we happen to reference in this podcast, which we are not getting paid for by anybody. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Except angry looks from our spouses. Yeah. You're doing another podcast. Really? Okay. So impaired control. We're talking about the binge now. So the binge with sugar is very similar compared to behavior seen in drug abuse. And when you look at the brain, you know, the neurobiology stuff, let's see if I can kind of go back to that. Um, Binging corresponds with a decreased dendritic length in the nucleus accumbens. Mm. Which therefore, so when that is shorter you actually have more excitatory inputs because you have more things coming in but you have fewer things coming out and there's a herd of elephants aka my daughters running around upstairs so if you hear pounding it's just them holy cow i was like i thought it was in my head i thought it was, jesus i'm i'm blowing a i'm blowing an artery but anyway go ahead 
You have to worry about those things. <laughs> when you're old? Yeah, well, when no. you're older, when you're an older adult. Or you're an older adult. Okay, so let's let's really explain whatever I just said. Okay. Graylin. We've all heard of this Graylin. It was in the last Sugar Podcast. It sounds too much like Gremlin, but go ahead. <laughs> it totally does. I hate it. Okay, so Graylin itself is implicated in the motivational aspects of feeding when you're under high stress. So when you are restricted from eating breakfast and you're like starved, that's that's the restriction is your brain sees it as I'm starving and oh my gosh what I'm going to eat again Graylin goes up because and so you're going to binge because you're going to be like oh my gosh I'm under this high stress I just need to eat as much as I can because who knows when I'm going to get starved again mm. okay is this you going through material quickly because no it's we're not like, we're gonna wait. be <laughs> this is like okay keep going but if I fall asleep just nudge me here but ironically, oh, just like that Grayland surge goes up. Whoa, sorry. Knocking over a table. The Grayland surge goes up under the time of stress, therefore triggering this binge relationship with food. Same thing kind of happens because when the Grayland goes up, guess what else goes up? I'm just guessing anxiety because you want to uh, eat. <laughs> dopamine. Oh. So you binge to satisfy that necessary dopamine surge, just like when you take in the substance the drugs when you're in the down like withdrawal the dopamine shoots up so then so that. then you get that dopamine rush and then after you've eaten all this stuff then you feel like sleeping dopamine See? goes down yes so when you have not covered with little chocolate from the swiss rolls that we're not being exactly paid to talk about so the, the other impact the other part of this whole impaired control category number one is craving hmm. so when you are being restricted you crave. So it's a person who's not using their opioids and they're trying to do, you know, like you haven't used opioids in days. You've kind of been through withdrawal, but you're maybe not on the right dose of your MAT or your MOUD or you just don't want to be on MOUD. And so you're just like, mm. their brains are craving. The brain needs that opioid there. Same thing happens with sugar. Wow. So it's like that the more you restrict sugar, if you've been eating it normally and you are like, no breakfast for you, they're going to crave it. You're going to think about it all the time. But it goes away quickly because if you have like the first cinnamon roll, it's very satisfying. You eat the second one, it's like, uh. But have you ever seen my dopamine drawing? I know. You just <gasps> never get back. I should have put that drawing in the manual. I know. I can put it in. <laughs> okay, so how we just explain this using an animal model and actual science so if rats are in a cage and they have this bar press, which can self-administer drugs of abuse. So I can push this bar, I get my cocaine, I can push this bar, whatever. When they are forced to not keep pushing this bar, they will have that, um, they, they still keep pushing it. So they're pushing it, but it doesn't work. Right, because they're like, oh my gosh, they're having that anxiety, that, that craving. They're like, I need it, I need it. And they'll continue to press it, Um if there's a cue along. So like, let's say the first time they pressed it ever, there was a ding that went off and then they got their drug. And then they press and there's a ding that went off and they got their drug. So then if they keep pressing it and nothing is happening at all, but then later on you make a ding, then they'll press it again because they think that's going to associate. Uh. So those are called triggers. Okay. Now, if we're talking alcohol, same thing will happen. They will increase their amount of alcohol following an abstinence period. But if you take that same rat and instead of getting them like hooked on alcohol, you get them hooked on sugar, same exact process happens. Hmm. 
So if you restrict that sugar water, they will actually eat more and more and more. Just like if you restrict their alcohol, they'll drink more and more and more and more. Wow. And if they're craving and you give them the sugar and then they binge on it, and then you give them naloxone. <laughs> Seriously, they you're going to weave naloxone into sugar addiction? go in to withdrawal. Just like they would if it was like opioid withdrawal. From sugar. From sugar. So then if you give them sugar, does it pull them out of it? Eventually. Huh. Isn't that crazy? How many Swiss rolls do they have to eat? It's like how many licks does it take to get to the center of this? Whatever. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So you give them an naloxone and they actually go into sugar withdrawal. Yes. Okay, I'm going to kind of skip this next part because it talks about, you know, alcohol deprivation effect. Um, it's this whole thing that I'm not going to get into, but sugar basically does the same things. If you deprive a rat of sugar, deprive them the same way of alcohol, they'll have the same effect. I'm going to skip that. We're going to jump to topic number two. We talked about instead of impaired control, we're moving on to social impairment, right? So okay. social impairment, though, is unique to human behavior, which makes this very difficult to study in rats. Because mm. you cannot, I mean, this is referring to the interpersonal relationships and problems that are related to use. You're neglecting your major life roles. You're not parenting. You're not cleaning. You're not doing all the things. You can't really like study that in rats. Yeah. Um. And so we're already done with topic number two. Oh. See, this is me going fast. Wow. Look at that. Okay. So how about number three? Number three, continued use. Despite the hazards. Despite risk. Yeah, see, we're going to get one more on the list. Aren't you so happy? Oh, All of our listeners are so happy. No. I, I'd like to get some emails that say, stop with the sugar. Okay, so continue email use address? despite risk. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't even know. Okay, so what this is, is that an indicator of compulsive behavior. So okay. you're going to do it no matter what, even if it's not good for you. Like, clearly, you're not going to touch that hot flame to get the, you know, Swiss cake roll out of the fire. But yet you are because it's compulsive. And yeah, anyway, that was a really bad analogy. I so, think I could do it without getting burned. So in reality, animals will seek a drug of some kind despite averse condition stimulus. So this is the thing, like if you took a rat with cocaine, Rats will use, even if there is a risk there, like even if they have cocaine and every time they take the cocaine, they know that shortly later they're going to get some like zap. Hmm. The risk of that zap is still worth it. They will still continue to use the cocaine. Yeah, we see that in real live addiction. Still happens with sugar too with rats. But if Ugh. you take mice even, let's switch to, you know, mice, another rodent that I would not like to have to. This is why I was never like a research scientist. Hmm. Because then you'd have to like play with these dirty sewer creatures. So, <laughs> okay. So, if you have mice, a highly palatable food diet. Okay. Filet mignon. And yeah, you give them like whatever the most amazing food to a mouse would be, like, you know, not mm. filet mignon. Like, you give them the Swiss cake roll, right? And over time, after you get them, like, knowing that this Swiss cake roll is right around this corner and you're going to get it every time you come around this corner. And then eventually when they, you know, that's just they're getting chubby and whatever, then later on you start to shock them or you give them an aversive stimulus, they will still go and get that Swiss cake roll no matter what. Huh. 
It's amazing. It's just crazy. They just know how good it is. They do. And, and so if you gave them a not Swiss cake roll, if you gave them just like regular old pellets of mouse food, mm. this is that same study. I'm just going to so explain So less that palatable I'm, food. Less palatable food. And you did the same thing. Okay. Go get here. Same location, same whatever, just like the... The broccoli or the the peas to oh, you, yeah, peas, yeah, yeah. You gave them something that wasn't as yummy, and then you started to shock them a little bit later, like you did same timing with the sugar. They just won't go eat it. The broccoli and the peas are just not worth it. Well, I think we all know that. I know, but it's proven. Well, I pretty much have proven it my whole life. <laughs> Those green things are just not worth it. Kids, huh. I hope you're not listening to this. So, yeah. So, I think that that's interesting. So, you can extinguish it with unpalatable food. Exactly. But not the good stuff. Not the good stuff. Okay. So, number four. Criteria topic number four. This is the last one. And then we're going to have to pause and come back with one more sugar addiction Ugh. podcast. Okay. Yay. Okay. So, the fourth big one. This is the pharmacological criteria that was just added going from DSM-4 to DSM-5. The whole... Tolerance withdrawal aspect. So tolerance, like you said, the Swiss cake roll is amazing until you eat the second one, yeah. mm, the third one. Well, mm. actually, it's about the fourth or fifth one. <laughs> it's probably more closer to the fifth one. If no. you eat two packages. Okay, packages. So yeah. observing your behavior with Swiss cake rolls, you will always eat one package, which is two. Very quickly. Two, yes. quickly. You will eat... The third one. So the first one of the next package. No problem. By the fourth one. I'm thinking I wish I had milk. You're like maybe not eating the whole thing immediately. You might be like pausing yeah. a little bit. Yeah. I might not eat that third pack till late in the day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because right away your dopamine, clearly it's, you're not getting the same, same charge. Yes. So how they're defining tolerance when it comes to rats is that... If you were to do this, okay, if you were to do the Swiss cake roll thing every day, right? Over time, it would be by like the fourth pack, you wouldn't get that effect or the fifth pack. Like you, to get that same satisfaction, it's kind of like tolerance to opioids. Mm. You know, you need to, eventually you get tolerant and your dose has to go up. Your dose has to go up. It's kind of the thing. Mm. Rats will do the same thing. If they have the free ability to feed on sugar water. Over time, over that month especially, you will watch their quantity of sugar water go up and up and up and up and up. Interesting. Because mm -hmm. they're just not getting that same... Dopamine. Exactly. Mm. What so. did the mice dentists say about this sugar water? Just wondering, <laughs> asking for a friend. That would be that whole interpersonal thing that we uh, already talked about we can't do with like, the mice. Know, the male mouse goes home at night. It's like, honey, your teeth look like... Well, they look terrible. Here's your You've been doing the sugar water again? So, all right. Very interesting. So, stuff. the flip side of tolerance would be withdrawal. Now, let me tell you what sugar withdrawal feels like. So, oh. the fact that <laughs> you can't I mean, tell me. The sun, withdrawal, what is withdrawal? Is when you remove the substance, there are signs and symptoms of clear body not tolerating life without the substance it needs. Hmm. That was that was very that was pretty simple. <laughs> pretty, I was like, "Wow, my kids can understand that one." Um, and so, <laughs> I just can't even get over that for a second. Okay, so 
this kind of goes back to that whole giving Narcan or Naloxone to a rat who's eating like in the middle of a sugar binge. Mm-hmm. They will go into withdrawal the same as they would if you were giving them heroin. Okay. Wow. Until you give them more and more, they will come out of that withdrawal. Mm. And it's actually very similar to the same symptoms. Wow. So, so what if, is I, that? if I overdose on the Swiss rolls, should I be given Narcan? <laughs> the good thing is, is the sugar doesn't create the same respiratory depression as the opioids. Though. I just want to make that clear for our listeners. It's the dopamine okay. effect. Okay. Dang, you just like pimped me and I won. Yeah. <laughs> this is true board studying right here. This is board studying. All right. So neurochemically though. Morphine withdrawal will give that decrease in the cumbens dopamine release and also simultaneous simultaneous acetylcholine increase. Equal response observed in sugar. Wow. So if we're actually doing brain studies on what I just said, it's actually true. Wow. Huh. Mic drop. I don't even know. So basically what we've already accomplished is that sugar addiction meets five out of the 11 criteria for DSM-5 criteria. Yeah, that's just, a moderate use disorder. Yeah, who knows? Maybe it'll end up in there. I don't moderate, know. Right? I mean, I've done some studies. My nurse Monica would occasionally bring me a box of Swiss rolls, and I think I was part of some of these early studies. I think you were. You just didn't know about, and I, yeah. I'm not allowed to talk about it. I signed that confidential yeah. thing. I'm gonna mm-hmm. have to. I'm gonna have to take don't open take care and and be better at keeping track of these issues. <laughs> Okay, so we are going to have another sugar addiction podcast coming up, Uh, which we will take these five DSM-5 criteria, and then we're going to look at some other aspects to see if there are other things that would maybe play into that to further push us over that threshold of, yes, this truly belongs in the DSM-5 plus one. I'm begging anyone who's listening that if you think we should just stop, just send emails to Heather and say to the Addiction Connection podcast, whatever. The Addiction Connection podcast at Gmail. Yeah. Send her things that say stop because I can't take this anymore. Or send me things that say, please keep going. I am on the edge of my seat waiting to hear the final wrap up because I promise we'll get this done in one more. All right. Well, we're going to talk to everyone next week. All right, we'll let Casey take over. I've been a wild rover for many the year, and I spent all my money on whiskey and beer. But now I'm returning with gold in great store, and I never will play the wild rover no more. And it's no Yeah.